While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. Promenade that pretty gal to Georgia. In downtown Atlanta, Lucky Street starts near Centennial Park and turns into Tech Parkway. The street is named for Alexander Lucky, who came to the area about the same time the surrounding city took the name Atlanta. He was involved in the Presbyterian Church, organizing the Atlanta Union Sabbath School. There's an interesting history of Sunday schools, and I talked about some of it in the last Chautauqua Extra, and, but we will get to that more in an upcoming episode. The Lucky family prospered in Atlanta, and as rich families tend to do, they produced a few characters along the way. This is Moving Through Georgia, and today we're talking about Jane Anderson. In 1888, Ellen Lucky married Robert Red Anderson, a Westerner and a friend of Buffalo Bill Cody. After the birth of their daughter, Foster, Red pulled up stakes and returned to the West. His career as a lawman in Arizona and for some time he spent in Panama could be a podcast in itself, and this isn't the only part of the story we have to gloss over to get to Jane Anderson. Ellen, now Ellen Lucky Anderson, stood trial in South Carolina in 1896 for shooting a man named Charles Williams. Apparently, she had been seeing Williams while she was still married, or at least while her husband was still in the picture. After Red left, Williams came around once in a while to visit, visits that Ellen eventually wanted to stop. She would testify that Williams came into her room one night and she tried to frighten him off by just firing a few shots toward him. One shot just happened to hit him and he died. Bad luck. What the jury found out is that Williams came into her room asking for her brother and probably opened the wrong door by mistake. She also shot at him after he had left the building and he was across the street. Needless to say, under those circumstances, she was, of course, acquitted. A rumor at the time was that she was let off due to her good looks. That's ridiculous. In the United States, we only let you get away with serious crimes if you're famous, not just good-looking. There's a lot more to this story. She was actually tried with two other defendants who were convicted. If anyone listening does a South Carolina true crime podcast, look up Ellen Lucky Anderson. Ellen did walk free, but she died not long after. On her mother's death, Foster may have spent some time out west with her father, but at about 10 years old, she was living in Demarest with her grandparents. She lived there long enough to make a go at Piedmont College, but it didn't last long. I found out about Foster Anderson, who would eventually change her name to Jane Anderson, through a publication called Demarest in the Piedmont, the remembrances of a woman named Isabel Chrysler, who grew up in Demarest at about the same time Foster was living there. I found this particular document through Digitize Habersham. This is a searchable database of newspaper pages and some other publications available through Habersham Education and Research. It's searchable pages from newspapers in Habersham County. There is a link in the show notes. 
In this document I pulled up, Miss Chrysler recalls a pair of Foster's shoes that she particularly envied. She mentions the rumor about her mother being acquitted due to her looks and the fact that Foster was released from Piedmont after her first year. After leaving Piedmont, Foster Anderson finished school in Dallas, then moved to New York City. She married Joseph Deems Taylor, a classical composer and another character whose career could make a podcast episode, but she divorced him eight years later. She began to write short stories, then traveled to Europe in 1915 as a war correspondent for three New York papers. I found two articles she wrote. One describes flying around London in an airplane, and another one talks about a visit to a British submarine. We can pick up the story of her life in a series of newspaper articles written by Donald Wilkes for the Athens Observer in 1995, and also in a book called Berlin Calling by John Edwards. Both are available online. At the close of the war, Jane was living in Paris. She had a relationship with the writer Joseph Conrad, and he may have based one of his characters on her. The Marquis de Cienfuegos, or at least someone claiming to be the Marquis de Cienfuegos, swept her off her feet, and with the marriage she changed her name again to Juana de la Santísima Trinidad. She began covering the Spanish Civil War from the pro-Franco point of view. She was arrested by government forces and imprisoned for espionage. She was mistreated and possibly tortured, and eventually sentenced to death. As they debated the date for her execution, she watched firing squads shoot prisoners from her cell window. Luckily, the United States State Department intervened on her behalf, and she was eventually released. But she was in pretty bad shape. The time in prison had taken a serious physical and mental toll on her. She was malnourished and scarred by rat bites, and when she returned to France with her husband, she began writing about the menace of the Spanish government forces and the threat they posed to the world. Eventually, her work caught the eye of Joseph Goebbels, who once wrote in his diary that Anderson's statements in New York are still the big sensation. She was invited to start broadcasting on Radio Berlin in 1941 as the Georgia Peach. She described the dynamic life of the Reich and compared Hitler to Moses, mixing fascism and Catholicism in her broadcasts. To her, Germany was going to preserve Catholicism and protect the world from communism. When the war began in Europe, she denounced Allied reports of German war atrocities as, well, I guess we would say she called it fake news, even though that wasn't really a term at the time. Her career in Nazi radio was sidelined in 1942 when she broadcast a story about visiting the theater in Berlin and attending a party with overflowing trays of food and champagne. The U.S. Office of War Information rebroadcast that story on their programs, making sure to point out to the average half-starved German citizen the excesses their leaders were enjoying. She more or less disappeared from the airwaves until 1944 when she began broadcasting from Berlin just as the Allies were invading, and then she and her husband ran for it. She had a United States warrant for her arrest on treason charges. Another propaganda broadcaster known as Lord Haha ha was captured at the close of the war and hanged in England. 
Anderson was arrested by U.S. forces, but again was saved through government intervention. Franco's Spanish government issued her and her husband Spanish passports and both were allowed to leave Austria. It's a technicality, but since the majority of her broadcasts took place before the United States entered the war, the charge of treason might not have stuck. She went to live with her husband under Franco's dictatorship and died in Madrid in 1972. Just a reminder that this is Moving Through Georgia, a history podcast mostly focusing on Northeast Georgia. If you have any questions or comments, please direct them to movingthroughgeorgia at gmail.com, all one word. Everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The yellow man left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right left walk on your heel and toe. From an aid that pretty gal to Georgia. That's all.